Hey, welcome back to the Sunday Recap Podcast. How are we doing today, people? We're doing well. Good. I'm doing great. Yeah, yeah. Chris Feeling is a good. little Chris is a little giddy today. <laughs> um, as he we were talking before the podcast about where we're going. Chris is excited. He's yeah. got lots of stuff that he's like, I didn't get to talk about this, <laughs> and we're dumping it all yeah. on the podcast. Today. And what's great is that I'm not preaching this next week, and so I'm like the weight has been lifted. He has a pep in his step. Yeah, and, and uh, Mitch is <laughs> preaching this week, actually, so we're, we're going to talk about that probably a little bit later. Sure, sure, so, sure we can. Yeah, yeah. And, and Chris is taking vacation, as he says, which yeah. is redoing his bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Thrilling. Yeah. It's going to be redoing my bathroom and watching Marvel movies. That's going to be my That's my a great vacation, combo. So. <laughs> I, think that, I think we've done that at our house, for sure, in the same same pair. Yeah, yeah. but no, I know, Chris, I don't speak for myself. I talked to a lot of people this week that absolutely love to this series oh um no they just i mean just working through the book of ruth you know together over the last four weeks even people were like i love the podcast because you talk about so much more than what even what you preached on and so i mean i know you put a lot of work into it and you were doing a lot of other stuff at the same time so well you know the thing about the 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 series number one uh Talking through a narrative, especially just a short narrative yeah. like this, is so fun because it's yeah. a story. Everybody and loves a good story. Yeah, you just I feel get like to it's reading time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And honestly, the story is so redemptive. Um, I mean, that's that's the whole point of the of the of the story, of course. And 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 I love. I mean, I just. I would say this. I love redemption stories. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you mm-hmm. think about some of your favorite movies, they're probably redemption stories. Um, I know one of my favorite movies is, I mean, it's right in the title, but The Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorites. It's a redemption story. It's a it redemption is. story. <laughs> it is. But, um, but like, honestly, one of my favorite movies growing up was was Star Wars. It was the Star mm-hmm. Wars trilogy. The Star Wars trilogy is a redemption story. It's the redemption of Anakin Skywalker, mm-hmm. uh, that the original trilogy. And so it, it's, it, you know, I, I think... There's something within our heart, and I get, I get this from this guy named John Eldridge, but uh, mm-hmm. it's this old book called Wild at Heart. But he talks about this idea of, like we love these stories because our heart longs for them, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I think Ruth is one of those one one of those stories that 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 points. Obviously, it's scripture, so it's pointing directly to Christ and mm-hmm. His redemption. But we long for that story mm-hmm. over and over again. So yeah. anyway, yeah. See, I have this picture of what we're going to do today, and this may be stupid. That it's like we're gonna open up the cereal box and we're gonna dump it all over the table <laughs> and find all <laughs> the exciting things to talk about this morning. But no, Chris, we were talking earlier. You know, today we're gonna do something a little bit different. We are gonna talk a little bit about chapter four, mm-hmm. but even more than that, we just want to talk about the themes of the book. You know, from chapter one to chapter four. Yeah. Um, and so you were kind of talking about the structure of the book earlier. Yeah. And some of the things that you found interesting. You want to dive into those for us? Sure. So. Just um, a little background. Um, in the Old Testament, and we see it in the New Testament too, there, there's this thing called a chiastic structure. And um, if you were around when I, I got to preach one time in Ecclesiastes and I talked about what a chiasm mm-hmm. is uh, back then, but basically it's the idea that, like, uh, you know, there's like kind of like a bookend. So, like, there's what happens at the end happens also at the beginning of the mm-hmm. story. And then, like, as you come into the middle a little bit more, there's uh, there's there's parallels there, and you come into the middle a little bit more, and there's parallels mm-hmm. there, and then in the very center you might see a, a parallel, or you might see like more of a main point. And in this one, you don't really see the main point at the middle, um, but but you see parallels that are happening from the outside in mm-hmm. throughout yeah. the entire story. So the whole book is actually a gigantic. Uh, chiasm. Uh, it's it's structured chiastically. So, like, just really quickly, I'll, I'll give you just a few. 
Um, the book in be, uh, begins and ends with a list of names, right? So you have mm-hmm. this flurry of names is what this one guy calls it, flurry of names at the beginning and the end. Um, then you have a, a character that makes the reasonable choice. Um, but then when they make the reasonable choice, they disappear from the story. So in chapter one, you have Orpa who makes the reasonable choice to go back home and find a family. Mm-hmm. But then you have Mr. So-and-so in chapter four making the reasonable mm-hmm. choice. He's not going to redeem Ruth. But that's but then he disappears. He, does, he never even gets a name, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the activity of God. So God brings, um, brings in chapter one, brings uh, food back to Bethlehem, right? In chapter four, brings conception to... Uh, to yeah. Ruth. And that, that's the only time you see God work uh, he, he, by name. You see him mentioned by name in, in the story. You have the women of Bethlehem speaking, right? Uh, both in chapter one and chapter four. And then you also have chapter two and three. I mean, you just look at those, just how they're structured. Chapter two and three is exactly the same. It's, it's at the beginning, it's Ruth and Naomi together. Mm-hmm. Then Ruth leaves Naomi, goes, has an encounter with Boaz, and then they both and then she comes back and reports back to Naomi. So they're, like mm-hmm. it's exactly the same thing that happened. So you can see how beautifully structured mm-hmm. this book is. I mean, the, the author, obviously under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the author is, um, I mean, it's just, it's, just, it's just brilliant. Yeah, I so. think that's one of the things that we see in Old Testament literature that we, all, we often miss, mm-hmm. especially if we're the kind of people that we just pull verses, <laughs> you know, yeah. from time to time. Yeah, we're very we trained mi- in Yeah, we miss that there's this, like, there's this beautiful structure to these books that, mm-hmm. uh, that matters. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes matters as much as the words we read, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. in the book. So yeah. I was going to throw in, so yeah. uh, when I was learning about chiasm, I, I realized that chiasm has the word chi in it, which is the Greek letter X, right, mm-hmm. for us. And if you think about it in symymmetry, if you take an X and you fold it in half, like top oh, to bottom, yeah. that's what a chiasm does. Oh, that's what does. it is. Yeah. And so you can see, like, this is a this is a symmetrical story that if you folded it in half was the same. The I have never heard that yeah, before. Yeah. That's awesome. I, yeah. That helped me just visualize. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Visual learner. No, that is really cool. <laughs> so, so some of the things you mentioned, you talked about how God only shows up in the story in two places. Yeah. Specifically, mm-hmm. um, I mean, what do you th- what, speak more to that? I mean, I mean yeah, because I thought that was interesting too. You know, as I was re-listening to this week's, it seems like there's like all these parts that are moving and all these things that are happening um, that are really incredible. Mm-hmm. But it does seem like a lot of it's on Boaz's plate. Yeah. You know, to kind of figure out what he's going to do in some circumstances. Yeah. What's and, Ruth going to choose? What's yeah. Orpah going to choose? What's Boaz going to do? How's Naomi play into mm-hmm. it? All those questions. But you only see God um, in the story. He's only named uh, or, like with an action. He's only mm-hmm. he's only given that twice. Mm-hmm. So you see that in chapter one there where um, he brings the bread back to Bethlehem, back to the house of bread, right? And then in chapter four when he brings – it says that he brings conception to Ruth. Um and so both of – one of the things I think is interesting with that is both of those uh, – the activity of God in the story are redemptive. It's, it's, it's or restorative in, in some yeah. way, right? Like what God is said to be doing uh, here specifically by the narrator is, is both positive, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's this question of what is God doing throughout the story behind the scenes? So like for example – we talked about this a couple weeks ago, like what exactly is happening behind the scenes at the end of chapter one, when Naomi says that the Lord has, has uh, brought me back empty, you know, like, and she, she points to God and saying like, 
this terrible circumstances that have happened mm-hmm. is part of the Lord's activity, you know? Can I ask a question? Yeah. So she calls him almighty. What is that in the Hebrew? Do you know? Do you have? Yeah. So, so that is, um, it's Shaddai. So, um, so when he says, um, the Lord, so this is in verse, uh, chapter one, verse 20, right? Um, she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara for the almighty Shaddai, um, has dealt very bitterly with me. So, Oh, and then she goes on to call him Yahweh in 21. I went away full, and Yahweh Yahweh has has brought brought me me back back empty. So that makes me think about the emphasis of God's actions here are Mm. emptying and filling. Yes. Which is two of the themes of this book, this book, right? That's like the yeah. whole thing of the off? book. <laughs> no, absolutely. Okay. No, no, no. That's, I mean, I would say that that is like the second theme, well, not the mm-hmm. second theme, but that's another theme of this book is this kind of being brought empty and returning full. I think I said that backwards, but. Yeah. 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 So, so being, you know, Naomi sees very, very clearly, she identifies that God is the one who is at work behind the scenes mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And, and, it, I, th- I think we have to be clear here with this is that God is not the one who creates evil mm-hmm. in the world. Um, he's just not. God is good, and the things that God does is good. And I think what's what's great about this book is that we see that very clearly. The things that God is attributed to doing here are redemptive. But at the same time, God does um, allow and even... Uh, ordain in his sovereignty certain bad things to take place. And he allows these things, though, for a good purpose, right? Mm. So Ruth and Boaz never would have had Obed leading Mm. to King David unless all of this stuff took place. And so it's not just for Naomi's redemption, but the redemption of the nation of Israel and the redemption of the whole world. And so we can see there's a bigger picture happening in the background than just Naomi's current circumstances, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and that's what that's how I would say I see it, is I, I see this picture of God as in the backdrop. You know, and we have to, as we read this story, we can't just go, oh, what's Ruth going to do next? We have to go and say, okay, well, one, we know there's a reason it's in here, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> like, yeah. there's a purpose to it being in the Old Testament for us to read it. But we also can see that God is orchestrating things. Um, it, it's like he just has to. When you start looking at all the foreshadowing and the details adding up and, you know, and I felt like that's what I was listening to your sermon this week. I was like, man, there are like 10 things in here oh, that it's I just know. like, know. you know, okay, this points to David. How cool is that? Which points to Christ and, you know, oh, and you got a Moabite involved in the detail. You got like yeah. all this. It's just like, it's crazy. Yeah. You know, and then you've got this story of a redeemer and one who doesn't want to pay the price and one who does. Yeah. Instant. There's just all of these parallels and all this foreshadowing. That's really incredible yeah. when we read the book. Um, I want to take you to another moment in this week's sermon that I okay. thought was really, really yeah. powerful. So you're talking about um, Naomi, and you're talking about you know all the hope that she has in this child mm. um, as she's holding her there. Um, take us back to that. Sure. I mean, just just go back to that that part in your sermon for us, and just you know, kind of walk us through again what symbolically you know you felt like this was for her. Yeah. So verse kind of her 16, redemption story is pretty powerful. Exactly, and that's the whole thing is that this story. I mean, we, we it's called Ruth, um, but it really is the story of the redemption of Naomi. I mean, it, it, that that's that's the 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 big uh, piece of it. So chapter four, verse 16 says, then Naomi took the child 
and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And so um, th- this, this is another Hebrew thing, but that word there, the child, is this word, uh, yalad, um, and the, the, it's the noun form of that word. It's only used twice in this entire story. And the other time that it's used is part of the chiasm. The other time that it's used is right at the end of the flurry of names in chapter one when it talks about his, her two sons who died. And so, mm. and so here you have at the, at the end of chapter, or at the end of that first part of chapter one, she experienced the death of her two sons, her two lads. Okay, you could put it that way. But then here in, in, in chapter four, verse 16, then she took the lad and laid him on her lap. And so she gets this, I mean, the author is, it's so clear when you see it in the yeah. Hebrew, but it's like the author is saying, this is her redemption. This is, mm. this is her, the restoration of everything that she's lost, you know, um, it, which is just, it's just beautiful how, how they laid that out. So Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to add in there too that, you know, some of us would think of this as, a story of redemption that she she received the fullness of what she had asked for, what she felt that she was missing in her life, when mm-hmm. actually her redemption is the piece of our redemption, where mm-hmm. she got to be in the line of of the Christ yeah. who is coming, who was our redemption, yeah. um, which makes me think that that her fullness wasn't just that she had a, a little boy now on her lap, while that was an incredible, Absolutely. cool piece to her story. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, if, if that's something that we long for, we know that the greater, the greater gift is, is Christ himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, I just thought that was really beautiful that you pointed to that, that that lad was actually the line of Christ. Yeah. The one who's to come. Yeah. Which is incredible. I think, I think you, you know, you see the closeness between Ruth and Naomi that sometimes you forget about the earlier part of the narrative, you know, when you're thinking about, you're thinking about her, you know, you almost think of her as her daughter, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you miss, you miss like, like that connection. I, I mean, I, I'll admit I was kind of an aerial spot where I was thinking about the redemption for her, mm-hmm. but I miss I miss kind of how this is really an redemption, redemption that points towards Christ. Yes. You know, when she's holding this child, it's not like all her hopes and dreams are met. I mean, in some sense they are, yeah. but the reality is that, no, this, this is in here because it's foreshadowing, you know, the line of David. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool to see. Definitely. And this, I think, leads us to a really great application in, in this way because this is the whole emptiness, fullness theme that happens here is very backwards. I mean, again, you, you look at the story and, and, and how many times do we see people making the reasonable choice? people making the sensible choice and yet it does not bring them fullness it does not bring them what what like this this um uh the, the fullness that that god really has for them the only thing that brings that in the end is actually emptiness to themselves mm-hmm. like 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 that they're that they're emptied out and the lord brings them there but then but then he does that in order to bring about the fullness that he desires and then i i start thinking about i mean this is sort of the new math of god's kingdom right i mean uh, when Jesus says, you know, don't worry about the things mm-hmm. of today, you know, the, the clothes that you wear, the food that you eat. Um, but he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And this is the backwards, like, upside-downness of mm-hmm. God's kingdom, mm-hmm. um, that if we seek our kingdom and filling up our lives, we don't we don't really end up getting the fullness that God offers. But if, mm-hmm. if we empty ourselves and we pour those things out to others, we end up getting filled by God. We end up getting so much more mm-hmm. in the end, you know? Um, 
And so actually being empty is the blessed way to be in a lot of ways because because then God can then fill you. Yeah, and I think we have a tendency in our culture to try to have both. Yeah. You yeah. know, <laughs> like yeah. like I'll I'll empty myself to the point of it actually really doesn't bother me. Yeah. You know, I I, I when JC and I first got married and we were talking about generosity and giving, I remember telling her, I was like, I don't know if this is right per se. Like I'm not I can't pull this straight out of the Bible. But I'm like, I wanna give away to the point that I at least feel it. Yeah. Like, you know, and I think we have we have such a tendency because we are so comfortable, you know, as it relates to giving of our time, giving of our resources, helping somebody. Mm-hmm. We'll give to the point until we feel it, mm-hmm. you know. And I think there's this picture here and there's this pattern in this story where it's like choosing, you know, love, you know, choosing to sacrifice yourself fully leads to life. Yeah. You know, and, and as you're saying, making the sensible choice, which – which again, there's not, you can't blame them. Right. Like that's what we're saying week one. We're not like going away from that. It's like, oh, a lot of people would go, I'm going to go where the food's at. Yeah. yeah. You know, you yeah. can't blame them, but it doesn't always lead to this full picture, you know, of, of relying on God um, yeah. to provide that this story kind of foreshadows for us. So I just think for my own life, it's like, man, where, okay, what, what does it mean for me to kind of live out this love of mm-hmm. Christ that may sometimes go against what seems like the obvious comfort? Yeah. Can we go back and talk about how the difference in the redeemers and how um, how Boaz really had to sacrifice to make this mm-hmm. this happen, make oh, this yeah. choice? Sure, yeah. So you had in chapter four, you you, you begin to see um, how expensive this this redemption is going to be, and there's question a little bit around it. Um, some of the the people, like the people who write commentaries and stuff, have some questions about what exactly is happening there, but. Um, but I think ultimately what we do see what, and what the author is really trying to point out is that this was really pricey. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I think that there's definitely a, a financial cost mm-hmm. to this. Um, he's got to put money up front. He has to um, buy this land, give that money to Naomi. But then on top of buying the land, he's going to have to raise that son that, mm-hmm. that he has with Ruth. And then on top of that, he doesn't get to keep the land at the end of the day. Um, and so financially, it doesn't make sense. Like, no one would do that, mm-hmm. you know? No one would do that. So he really does make the sensible choice. The, there's also the social cost, right? Like, there's the social aspect of it where Ruth being a Moabite, and I think Boaz is just brilliant with this because, you know, I think ultimately he wants to redeem Ruth. Yeah. He, you know, and yeah. He, yeah. He, wants, he wants the opportunity to do that. Um, and so he sneaks in there, oh, by the way, <laughs> you're going to have to marry Ruth, the Moabite, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like he's very careful to stick that word in there because the Moabites are the enemies of God's people. Mm-hmm. So for, for Mr. So-and-so, uh, as we, as I said, you know, that's the that name. Was the, that was the line. <laughs> yeah, Mr. The, so-and-so Mr. was so-and-so. great. The last yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was laughing when I was thinking about Mr. So-and-so with holding the sandal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so funny. Yeah. Yeah. But but when Mr. So-and-so hears, oh, I'm going to have to marry a Moabite, then he's like, no way. Yeah. Like, I mean, that would that's way too risky from a, a social uh, aspect for me to take that on. Mm-hmm. And and Boaz, you know, he's, he's so just – what the author is just trying to show us, I think, is that he's so willing to do it. He's so ready to do it. He doesn't wait a day. 
Mm-hmm. He gets up that morning. He goes right to the city gate. He makes it happen that day, and it's done. Yeah, you know. And what a picture of our redeemer, I think, in that, like, yeah. you know, that he is. He's not going to make us wait. Um, he's not. He's actually giving us glimpses even now of of that kingdom. You know, mm-hmm. we we get we get that first fruits of the kingdom of God even now, the blessing of, of, of some of that, even though we know heaven is going to be incredible, you know, the new heavens and new earth are going to be absolutely incredible. We get glimpses of that now. And man, this just keeps going. Okay. I told you he was giddy people. Oh, no, I told you. <laughs> it just keeps going because, because we even see that first fruits yeah. idea in the story. Like, like Ruth and Naomi in chapter one are absolutely destitute. They don't know where this is going. Chapter two, um, Ruth gets some barley. Yeah. Yeah. First fruits. Chapter three, Ruth gets even more barley, more first fruits. Ruth chapter four, Ruth, and and she's bringing, remember, she's bringing this back to Naomi. It's about the redemption of Naomi. So she, Ruth brings the little bit of barley. Ruth Mm -hmm. brings a lot of barley. And some food, some leftovers. And the food. Some carry out. Yep. And then chapter four, Ruth brings the- I think that's a significant detail. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Keep going. Yeah. (laughs) And then chapter four, Ruth brings the baby. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And even that's a bit of the first fruits because ultimately that baby then is going to help Naomi in her old age. That's that's the blessing. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then you even see it goes further, right? Then it's for Israel, and then it's for wow. for the rest of the world. So it's just some big ripples in that <sighs> that little lake. Oh man, it's That's crazy! That's pretty incredible. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so good. So, so Chris, you know, you, you ended this week's sermon kind of going through, you know, the overview of each chapter, mm-hmm. but also talking about you know God's characteristics in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to just kind of sit on each of those for a moment. Um, I thought it was really, really, really powerful. Um, so chapter one, you know, you said God's love is committed. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, how do we see that in the story? Yeah. So, I mean, everywhere, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but chapter one, you know, when we were back in chapter one, we talked about how we saw a picture of the gospel in Ruth, uh, who committed herself clung to Naomi. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, and so when she clings to Naomi, it's, it's the, it's actually, that's a covenant word. It's the same word that's used in, in, in chapter, uh, Genesis chapter two, when it talks about marriage mm-hmm. that we, uh, the husband leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife. It's the same word. And so it's a, it's covenant language. Um, and what's neat about it is you, you see, everyone's gonna like what? Yeah, uh, so much cool stuff. But but so I think what you see there is this committed, <laughs> faithful love of Ruth for Naomi when even when she's broken, and I think that's the same with God. Like you mm-hmm. know, when we're in our at our lowest state in our brokenness, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah. Um, where we have a God who is, you know, I think the way I said it, which. I'm quoting myself, which sounds stupid, but um, uh, but it's like God is, <laughs> but so fun. I heard this. Yeah. I heard this pastor say this one, one. Pastor <laughs> one time. No, but that God is intensely committed to us, and I and and I just I'm blown away by that. Um, the reality of God's love for us is not just this passive type of love. Mm-hmm. It's you know He's He is so committed to us. It's permanent. Yeah. 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 This is a little side note for you listeners out there. So if if a pastor ever says a pastor said it, it means one of two things. Either they said it or three things. (laughs) They said it, 
they can't remember who said it, or three, they really don't want to tell you who the pastor who said was. it because yeah. maybe they're controversial. So if you're getting that, there's a little there's a little yeah. tidbit for you this week. The next time you hear one of us say, "I, yeah. I heard a pastor say a pastor once," once uh, yeah. yeah, okay, exactly. So then in chapter two, mm-hmm. um, you you know you you said that God's love is generous, and I remember back to chapter two when you're talking through the sermon, and I, one of the things I remember you really giving us this picture of how Boaz is a type of Christ in this story, Mm. Um, that he is um, displaying this character that we can read the story and we can go, Boaz did all these awesome things. Mm -hmm. And we could say, and Ruth received all these awesome things. But it's also, there's a bigger picture here that the story is intending to portray to us. That is, you know, this is, you know, he's a redeemer, a concept we weren't even really familiar with until this chapter. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, chapter two, you meet Boaz and you, you get to see his character and I love how he gets introduced too, because he comes out. He's like telling his workers, you know, the Lord bless you. And <laughs> yeah. they're like, yeah. the Lord be with you. And I'm just like, who is this guy? Yeah. Like, this is this guy. You hear like, some music in the background. Dun 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 dun. dun yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Oh man. That was an That's reference. Monty Python. That was Monty I don't Python. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, the little <laughs> <laughs> the coconut shells. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, we digressed very quickly. So sorry. And usually it's my fault. <laughs> okay. I will. I will add in here though. I love Boaz and the way he has welcomed in this sojourner Moabite. You know mm. this this person who's completely different nationality and you know, really an enemy if you think about her nationality and just how much he welcomed her in. It's so yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I love that chapter two, you get introduced to Boaz. He is respected. He is loved. You know, it is, I mean, it's just this really awesome picture of who this guy is. Um, I don't know if he's a type, um, you know, like you said type, uh, that maybe, maybe he's a type for Christ, but I, I, I don't know. Um, there's nothing explicitly that says that, but I mm-hmm. think at the very least, what we're seeing here is that he is exemplifying who Christ is, um, at least in that aspect. That 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 he's mm-hmm. one he, that that he's a redeemer uh, and what that role is, and he does that really well. But two, that he's super generous mm-hmm. in the way that that he gives. So that's what really I think we see in chapter two is this incredible generosity of of Boaz. In the same way, we know that that God is incredibly generous with us. But I think that I think this is where people get tripped up about Christianity because, like, you know, we we walk through life and we're like, you know, it doesn't seem, it doesn't always seem like like God is con, you know pouring out blessing after blessing, you know, type of thing. I mean, you know, people look at because I think a lot of times we think it's financial and we think it's you know. Um, or even I, I would say even with children too, like like you know, people still deal with infertility and mm-hmm. still deal or 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 aren't married and don't have kids and things like that. You know, um, uh, so I don't know. I mean, maybe we can talk about that for a second. Like yeah. like just that balance of what exactly are we seeing here with the the generosity of God? Um, what is that really like? What is mm. what is that generosity? Yeah. What do you think? Does that go back to what we were talking about before? That really the generosity here looks like in the story, if you were to just look at this narrow story, looks like he's fulfilling their desires, the desires of their heart. Mm-hmm. But his fulfillment and his generosity is actually greater than that. 
is an ultimate redeemer that is greater than uh, redeeming their their circumstance. Sure, like like almost like we have desires, but maybe those desires aren't exactly right. Well, I heard someone talk about this this morning in a podcast I was listening to as I was getting ready. Um, that you know, you think about the the uh, the analogy of God being a father who would, if we ask for a fish. He wouldn't hand us a snake, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes the things we ask for are actually snakes, and he's like, right. "That's not good for you." Yeah. Um, and so he he's not going to hand us something that is it, it, just because we ask for it. I guess yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, that his big picture is much greater than than our narrow view of what we're asking for in the moment or what we feel we're without. Absolutely. I, I think I think for me, it's more about what do we bring when to the story when we're reading the story mm-hmm. than it's even what's literally happening. Mm-hmm. So I think we have been um, we've been somewhat formed um, to read scripture through Western eyes a little bit. And so when we read these stories, we think of these one to one equations and we start to we start we we've been formed by that because some level, you know, and we don't do this here at the church, you know, at Stones Crossing. I really I've never really seen us do this, but there's a lot of the big popular pastors and preachers in America that they look at stories like this and they say, okay, you know, like God's going to pour out blessing on your life, just like Ruth, you know, go glean from the field, you know, and if you go glean from the field, God will bring, give you back even more than what you ever imagined. And, and so we've even like, if we've not subscribed (laughs) to that listening um, or to that reading of scripture, we still sometimes bring that to it. Mm-hmm. So we have a tendency to latch onto the things like Ariel was saying earlier. You know, we latch onto this idea of like, oh, she got the child that she was promised, you know, and, yeah. and God's going to provide me a child that I'm promised. And, That's, you know, and oh, I came to the field and I need food and now he's going to, and he's going to give me food. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Absolutely. And, and I think that we have to continue to ask the question, why is this story here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's not here for us to tell us a nice story about Ruth getting food and Naomi receiving her blessings. Like, mm-hmm. that wouldn't be in there for that. Like, it would just be a little good story. Yeah. But it's but it's there because it's pointing towards the line of David yeah. and the redemption of people outside of Israel. There's, there's all these other reasons that it's here that have nothing to do with the specific details of what they received in the story. Right. So we, I think, read it in a way... That I don't, I don't know if like, you know, the the Israelite would have read it that way. Yeah, like we latch on to things that I don't think they would have thought about. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, they would have maybe been like, oh yeah, we glean in fields. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like like they they wouldn't have thought about. Oh man, like I gotta. Well, I think one of the main things they would have noticed is that the line of Christ is mm-hmm. is not pure Israelite. That's true. Yeah, and that's a big deal. and the line of David and too. it pushed right. back on them. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just think I think that that to me, I don't know if that necessarily answers your question on like what's happening. Mm-hmm. I think it's more like what are we reading and what details are we latching on to and how do we want want it to become, you know, about our prosperous, yeah. <laughs> you know, life. Yeah. And, you know, I was meeting with a guy this week um, that he he has kind of an interesting story in regards to this and, and his perspective on it I think is so good. So he – uh, before he was a Christian, he would have said at the time that he was a Christian, but he, but, but uh, it was sort of a, no- he, he would say he was a nominal Christian. And he was in a great job. He was making a ton of money. He had a house and cars and all that sort of stuff. And um, ended up going down a path that led him to uh, some addiction and things like that. Mm-hmm. And he, this guy hit rock bottom. 
And what's interesting about it is is that now, um, after hitting rock bottom, he's made amends he, to a lot of the stuff. Like he he paid back uh, all kinds of stuff that he felt like he stole money from people, things like that, services, and is now in a job where he makes a lot less. Okay. And he's like, you know, I am so thankful that the Lord has brought me to this place where I'm making this much because I recognize that I was not ready to handle the, t- the amount of money that I had at the time because I was, I was using it on things that I shouldn't have. I was giving it to people that I shouldn't have. And, and, and now he looks back on it and he's like, I just wasn't ready for that. Um, and now I'm, I, I feel like I'm, he's, he's like, I'm learning how to, how to handle that money better. And so sometimes, like what you were saying earlier about like sometimes we ask God for a snake. Mm-hmm. Sometimes asking God for money in that amount is a snake mm-hmm. because it will it will strangle us. Mm-hmm. It will it will destroy us at the end of the day. If we, I mean, honestly, if we had all the money that we wanted, what would we do with it? You yeah. know. Um, well, and if you took if you took Jesus's words literally, mm-hmm. you would go like, "Man, I actually." probably don't want a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. if you if you sure. were taking but we don't. Like that's what I was kind of saying earlier like we want to have both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. want to be we want to be very generous people, but we also want to be incredibly blessed. Yeah. You know, we want both of those people. And that's that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. If God's mm-hmm. blessed you in that way, but like that is that is our but desires. a responsibility as well, mm-hmm. a huge responsibility. And so I think I think often, you know, when we look at the generosity of God, um there's something bigger than just what's happening here. I, again, it, it's the whole thing of what what's God's God doing the behind that yeah. in the backdrop. Like, there's, you know, it's more than just what we see in this life. It's it's the generosity. Obviously, is going to come in the new heavens and new earth. But we get glimpses of that here. We get the we get the first fruits of it here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not always what we expect it to be. Yeah. Know? So chapter one, God's love is committed. Chapter two, God's love is generous. Yeah. And then in chapter three. You know, you you titled it "God's love is true." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, I I had a hard time coming up with exactly what to say, <laughs> right this one. but but the point that I think that we saw in chapter three was that you know Boaz was very willing to make good on his promise. He makes a promise and he's going to stick to it. Mm-hmm. Um, he swears by the name of the Lord that he's going to do it. And that's the same with God. God God is going to keep his promises. Um, what he says he's going to do, he's going to do. Um, and I love that, uh, uh, you know, it, it kind of goes back to, um, second Corinthians, right? That every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ. Right. So, so that what, what's, what's so awesome about that is that God has promised us so much, you know, he's promised to make us heirs of his kingdom, mm-hmm. you know, like just by faith that, that we would be heirs of his kingdom. And, and so we can have a, a, a certainty that mm-hmm. that will come about. Um, and I think that we just have have a tendency to doubt that sometimes. Yeah, you know. Yeah, Definitely. I think of chapter three, verse nine, mm. um, where Aunt Ruth answers, um, and she says, "I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer." And that's the truth of who God is. Um, yeah. As we, are, you know, as we sit in His presence, yeah, we absolutely. can count on Him, and we can ask in that way, Lord, you know cover me. You are the redeemer. You are the redeemer. Yeah. 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 And then, and then chapter four, you know, you close it out with God's love. God loves even when it's costly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would even say that God's love is always costly. (laughs) You know, like there's always a price that's being paid for your redemption. And I think that's what you were, you were alluding to, you know, there's nothing that, 
you know, we, we have, we have sinned against God, you know, and, and the, and it's a debt that we can never pay back, yeah. you know, like there's, there's nothing you can do to pay it back. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is another way that sometimes we read these old Testament scriptures, they become about moral lessons, <laughs> you know, and yeah. we fall into that trap too, but it's saying, okay, if I could just be like Boaz, you know, and sacrifice. And it's like, well, no, it's, it's actually about God's sacrifice. Right. For you, right. um, well, and and I think it is also a little bit about our our role in it too. Yes. But but the, the so here's the thing with that is we I'd say we very often jump to our yeah. role mm-hmm. and we skip over what God has done, and we can't do that. We we mm-hmm. we have to actually get to our role through what God has done. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know what I think what's so important about that is if we were to just skip over the gospel in this story. Then all of a sudden it just becomes a moral lesson. It's like, okay, just shape up, you know, love people like Boaz, you know, mm-hmm. sacrifice, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, figure it out. Um, but by going through the gospel, by saying, you know, what this story is really pointing to is the hope that we have in Christ. Absolutely. And so so the story then points us to that hope that we have, which then gives us the ability to love people the way that Boaz did. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. Boaz yeah. is just a guy. Like, I mean, he's he's just a guy. There, yeah. There's just like us. Like, we're just people. We're just yeah. we're just trying to figure it out. And he's just trying to do the best that he can. Um, but at the end of the day, we can't love that way without God's help. Right. And and so going through the gospel to that application mm-hmm. is is key. We just we can't skip that. So, yeah, so I'm going to ask you a question, Chris, and and I, we probably will just scratch the surface of this, and okay. maybe we'll have to talk about it later. But um, you, uh, one of the things I recognize is that you did a lot of the work for us on how to read this story mm-hmm. and recognize where is the gospel at in the midst of it, where is it foreshadowing, where is it going, how does it tie into the Old Testament. Yeah. You did a lot of the hermeneutical work for us. Mm-hmm. What are some things for somebody Big that... Big word, her- hermeneutical. Yeah, I don't even know if it actually is a word, but hermeneutics <laughs> is where I don't know if hermeneutical is, but we'll say it is. Interpretive. Yeah, Interpretive yeah you, work. you did a lot of that work for us. And I think that's why a lot of people in hearing this sermon were like, man, I love this because I've never thought of the story this way before. I've heard it before, but I've never been able to make these connections. Can you give a few things, just general principles that would be helpful to someone? Because we're talking about people reading it through Western eyes, and you can't take your lenses, your goggles off. That's not what I'm advocating for. But I know I'm, I'm asking a big question, and you guys do a lot of work on this. But <laughs> can you just give a few things that you're like, yeah, next time you're reading a book like Ruth or you're reading, you know, let's say Jonah or you're reading, you know, other parts of biblical narrative, that these are things that you should be thinking about while you're reading them. Chris and I get to teach um, biblical teachers here at Stones, and, and it's a it's a fun thing to kind of like open some eyes to how to read scripture, especially the Old Testament. Um, but we we stumbled across this really cool diagram from Dr. Schrock that starts with um, the word, of course, Mm -hmm. and then we want to run it through the right avenues before we apply it to the church. And so the first thing we want to do is take the word and apply it to the original audience. Um, And so as we've been talking through what the Israelites would have been hearing as How would they have read this? How would have they seen it? What would would they contextually Mm -hmm. have really pulled out of this? Like the fact that Ruth is a Moabite Mm -hmm. and that the line is not 
completely pure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do that first. Mm-hmm. Then we do what Chris is talking about, where we run it through the gospel and run it through Christ. And what does that mean? Um, where we see this story um, in light of what we know, since mm-hmm. we are blessed enough to have that, have ha- you know, to be on this side of redemption, to see that, mm-hmm. that Christ has died for us. And after we have the gospel in our lens, in our view of how this story um it plays out with the gospel as foreshadowing the gospel, mm-hmm. um, then we can apply it to the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the big things we talked about this week in our in our teacher training is application. There's a what yeah. do I do and what do I know, and um, we love to we love the what do I do application mm-hmm. because it makes us feel like we can check off a list. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is important to have a what what should I do, but it does run through the gospel. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the what do I know about about what God has done is even bigger. Yeah. You want to add? Yeah. So the bigger question that we have is when we come to a passage of scripture is where does this passage stand um, in relation to the cross? Mm -hmm. So, so Mm -hmm. Ariel, to what you were saying, this is old Testament. So this is before Christ being before Christ. Then we know that it's going to be pointing forward to the reality of, of Christ, but it's going to do so in glimpses. It's going to do so in ways that are not super clear yet. Um, and so, but, but, but it's always there. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's the point. Yeah. New Testament is going to point then back mm-hmm. and it's a lot clearer because then they have the reality of what Christ has done has already occurred. Mm-hmm. Now you can see it in a couple ways. Um, you know, prophecy is a really great way because mm-hmm. prophecy, every prophecy is going to have, um, a fulfillment that you might see immediately, like something that that happens very soon that doesn't necessarily have to do with Jesus and his redemptive purposes. Mm-hmm. But then you're also going to see that it that there's a second meaning that does point to Jesus in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so sometimes when you're reading through a prophecy, you're like, oh, this is kind of has a double meaning, and it does because it's also pointing to Christ. Um, we see it in types. So like you mentioned types earlier, so that's like these little pictures of Jesus or his redemptive work in some way. Mm-hmm. And it's not a perfect picture. It's never a perfect picture, but it's pointing forward to uh, to Absolutely. who Jesus is. And I think, too, we see it um, sometimes even just more directly, um, you know, uh, especially in, in covenants, like like when we look at some of the covenants that, that happen throughout Scripture. Um, just take the, the Abrahamic covenant. Um, so he says, uh, this is in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And he ends the whole thing by, by saying, I'm going to make you into a great nation and uh, that every, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Mm-hmm. And, and that whole idea of every family on the earth being blessed through his, through his family, through his, uh, his progeny. His seed. Yeah. If you want to talk about mm-hmm. themes. Yeah. yeah. Um, that actually hasn't uh, hap- – didn't happen – uh, until Christ, <laughs> you know, so it's fulfilled in Christ. So, so you can see it being like, like it, really everywhere in Scripture, it's going to point either forward to Christ or backward mm-hmm. to Christ. But it's yeah. there's a lot to it. But um, but it's it's fascinating once you start to look at the Bible that way. Yeah, and maybe we can talk about it more at a later date. You yeah, know, with some stuff. But I, th- I just think it's important. Again, you know, 
when, when you come in on a Sunday morning and you hear a sermon, there's a lot of work that goes on in the background, <laughs> you know, and often it can cause us to get to this spot where we say, well, I can't, I can't do that. So I'm just going to listen to him do it. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, if you just listen to a few of the things that we just said, especially the diagram that Ariel's talking about, um, it's a, it's a great picture yes. to help us to say, okay, what should I be doing when I'm trying to read scripture Yeah. Um, to understand and to interpret it in this way? Yeah. Um, it can be super helpful. There I, I am so grieved for people who say, I want to read the Bible, but it, I'm just so frustrated because I don't know mm-hmm. how. Yeah. Um, and folks, you know, if that is you, the first thing, the first thing that I did was I prayed for, for wisdom that God would put me in, yes. in situations that would grow me so that I could God learn to read it. God gives his spirit. We need his spirit to help us read Absolutely. it and understand it. Yeah. So yes, just pray. You know what the other thing too is I would say... Um, I'm going to, I'll put this resource in the show notes this week, but there's a great resource online called the Bible project. Oh, um, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible project. Um, I'll, I'll put a link in there. They just released uh, a series of about, there's like, they're little videos. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like five or six videos on how to read your Bible. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, they're fantastic. I actually have a, there's a D group that's actually doing one of doing that as a study right now, cool. going through it. Um, so that's, that's, uh, available right now. The other thing I'll say too, is I, I have a project that I'm just sort of a side project that I'm going to be doing where I want to give some of these tools to you in a video format in little five minute videos. Mm-hmm. Um, there, uh, I'm building a YouTube channel. That's all going to be up this fall. So um, you can, uh, if you'd like, you can check that out later on. So that's coming this fall. No, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, again, Chris, I mean, um, it was awesome. Thank you. Well, Ruth was great. And I'd say this too. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think I benefited the most yeah. from this, just from the study. I, I feel like um, the Lord has taught me a ton of things through this process mm-hmm. of being able to preach these last four weeks. I'm like, I'm I'm humbled and like blown away that mm-hmm. I got to do it and that and that um uh that God actually did like worked in me in the process. Yeah. So I um I feel like I, I, yeah, I I'm the one that benefited the, the most. That's, what so. it feels like most time. that's awesome. I kinda wanna put you on the spot and ask, like what's the what's the main thing that you would take away from this season of studying Ruth? It is a deeper just being blown away by the love of God. It's it's like I could read through this story if you know reading through it all in one sitting, which I tried to do every week, but but I would I would come to tears at, by the end of it reading through this mm-hmm. because of the redemption that's that's happening in in this story, and I'm just like that's what God's done for me, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I think that's that's just it. It's just just coming back to that reality of like, wow, God's love. He's so he good. is absolutely amazing. So anyway, that's awesome. Well. So I'm up this week. Yeah. We are talking yes. about suffering, um, a eternal perspective of suffering. I love it. Is the running title right now. So Yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it'll. I hope it'll be good. We've got some fun object lessons for kids, too, that I'm trying to weave in. They could be an absolute flop, yeah. or they could go well. <laughs> so if you're listening to this, I need your participation on Sunday, or it is just going to wreck me for the next 30 minutes. So, no, we'll be looking at 2 Corinthians um, chapter 4, if you want to read ahead a bit, a little bit of chapter one, um, just a book that I spent, I spent a lot of time in quarantine in, um, just yeah. reading through it. I felt like every podcast I listened to, the pastor was like, I'm reading through second Corinthians, right? I was like, okay, well I better start too. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and just spent a good amount of time in it. Um, 
And I'm excited to just take some of those lessons learned for me about perspective and share them with some of you guys. Um, cool. Yeah. Again, as Chris shared this week, it's like there are a lot of people in our church suffering right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hear about them every week. And, you know, we're constantly, you know, thinking about you, praying for you. And but again, I hope more than anything that you really have a perspective of the suffering you found yourself in um, that's eternal. Yeah. Um, that is, Paul says that, you know, your, your suffering, produces uh, your eternal glory will, yeah, produces character, and endurance. Um, and yeah. far, you know, your eternal glory far outweighs the suffering that you find yourself in. So awesome. I'm excited to talk more about that this that's week. That's a good teaser. Um, yeah. That's what we'll be doing Can't on wait. Sunday. All right. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. Uh, it's just been a blessing. And it's been a blessing to know that you guys are listening too. Uh, we've been watching the numbers. We've just been so thankful that that uh, you have been enjoying this podcast. Um, if you have questions, uh, things that you'd like to ask about the Book of Ruth or anything else, feel free to reach out to us. That's what we're here for. Uh, you can find all of our email addresses on the website, and uh, we would love to chat with you. So have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Sunday Recap.